0: Turn up into John, chapter 15. Today we are adding a link in the chain of virtues. As uh, Kerr began us with gratitude, then last week, Sean helped us see generosity in a new light, fresh light. Today we're going to talk about joy. And this is, John 15 verse 11 is an enormous, enormous verse to me that I I still haven't quite grasped the enormity of because I just, I'm amazed at Jesus' words. He says this. He's talking to his disciples. Remember, this is about the time where he is. This is all part of the last moments that Jesus is having with his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, my joy may be in you. Capture that. God's joy in us and that your joy may be full, complete, abounding, none left no, no space left over in the tank, everything full like you know you go to a gas station and you try to click to get as much gas on a road trip so you don't have to stop again, as much gas into that tank. Like, that's what God's joy in us should be. It's where it just clicks. You can't fit anymore. The nozzle of his joy clicks. Lord, help us. Help us understand your joy today. And may we, as your people, experience your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. To start this, though, I'd like to ask the question Joy and happiness, are they friends or foes? How about this? True or false, God wants me to be happy. What comes to mind when you hear that? Over the past uh, 25, 30 years, there has been a line drawn between joy and happiness. I have drawn that line at times, too. I think the intention of drawing the distinction between joy and happiness was an effort to to delineate between the pursuit of happiness in what we're seeing around us and a happiness and a joy that comes from God, being full of the Spirit. But this distinction really doesn't help. I think it also arose... Uh, from the desire to to make sure that we're locating our joy in God, not in stuff, not in temporary things around us, and those are good impulses. But I think, as as oftentimes we do as Christians, we we step on one thing to promote the other. So we want to. Oftentimes we we may be stepping on happiness in order to promote joy, as if happiness is some cheap version of joy, and that's how we feel. But you know, that's not how Scripture treats the word happy. Joy does need to be grounded in God, or it just fades away. We may have heard, I I grew up hearing the phrase, and some of you who heard this too are going to laugh. Happiness is based on happenstance. And so it changes with the times, but joy is really found in God. I grew up as a teenager hearing that several times. Obviously, it stuck with me. But that actually, that, that's part of the distinction that, that Scripture doesn't make. Do you know, joy and happiness are synonyms in Scriptures. They're not enemies. They're friends. Now, look, there are more than 2,700 occurrences for the synonyms for joy and happiness they include joy happiness gladness merriment pleasure celebration cheer laughter delight jubilation feasting exultation all of those are the same in scripture so god wants me to be happy true or false it's true now we have to don't be selfish that's still that's still on the table But God wants us to be happy. He even commands it. See, when we have joy in God's love and in God's grace and in God's forgiveness, the result will be, we'll feel happy. Now we'll see that happiness oftentimes, that joy often comes through a path that we would never script for ourselves, maybe even script for somebody else. But God wants us to be a joyful, happy, cheerful, glad people. To where it, it shows up with expressions of smiles on our face. I, I just thought of the uh, early 90s Batman movie with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Remember Jack Nicholson was always trying to plaster smiles in everybody's faces? Like, oh, you know, Stuck, the Joker, was trying to plaster smiles. And sometimes we have the picture that we're just got to make ourselves happy. She starts smiling. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking something that is rooted in God. But check this out. First thing to point out, and look, this is we're looking at, and uh, in, in this series as we're going through these virtues, well, we'll look at like, what does the Bible say about this topic, and this would uh, term to be a systematic. Like, what, what is happening all through Scripture? And just as I was studying and putting this sermon together, the Lord just kept popping these verses in my mind that over the years have become really significant expressions in my understanding of what joy is in Scripture. And that, that so there's a lot of Scripture, so I provide it all in your notes, but hang with me as we go through this. But uh, the first thing is to, to understand that God shares His joy. Remember, Jesus just said, That my joy may be in you, so that your joy may be full. God exists in joy. And let that sink in. He exists in joy. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God really means that. He is, in his presence is complete joy. God never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. God never faces a day that's a bad day, that he wishes just would go away and start anew and fresh the next morning. You know, He has grace for us that we have mornings to start over, that joy comes after the sorrow. We're glad for that, but that never happens with God in his presence. We have a happy God. And I think the expression, and and I hope we grow to feel this uh, in our personal lives, in our walks with the Lord, that God's, his lasting facial feature that we should see is his smile. Because I think he really does have a smirk all the time. Because you know when God's toying, teasing with you a little bit, and you know he's smirking. He's like, oh, God, how, you set this up just right. You? you got a lot of humor in what's going on right now. God just he puts things together in particular ways that we have to start laughing, and we know God's laughing too. Not at us. He wants to share his joy. And there, there are wise methods that he uses to remove ourselves from the equation so we can experience and feel the fullness of his joy that he exists in. Now, think of creation. God is joyful in his creative process. After each day, what does he express? God saw that everything, he declared everything good. That's a a satisfying term. That's a pleasure term. It's good. I am pleased with this. So God is happy in his creation. He's happy in his creative work and the expression of his person and his joy that is in everything. Just like uh, when you bring kids to the zoo, I'm still like this. When I go to the zoo, I'm still amazed at elephants and giraffes because they're just weird-looking creatures. The big old trunk on an elephant and the long neck of a giraffe the tongue on a giraffe, my goodness, they're like this long. It's amazing. You go to Global Wildlife, you'll experience that. You look up, a feed, at giraffe's like eight feet away. Woo! He'll take all that cup. That's God's expression. He's joyful in that. When, when we see that, wow, that's from God. He's pleased with his creation. God also has pleasure in his people. A lot of times in our own walks, and this de- the devil's voice himself, always accusing us. We will we will disqualify ourselves. Like God's pleased in everybody else, but He's really not pleased with me. No, He really is pleased with us. Look at Psalm one forty nine, verse four. This is truth, people. This is truth. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble. With salvation, he really does take pleasure in us. Yes, us broken creatures who keep on trying to do the right thing and finding ourselves doing the wrong thing, and we're so tired of it, thinking that God would just want to put us away rather than love us. But no, he says, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. He takes pleasure in his people. And one of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures, Ephaniah 3.17 for the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will joy over you with joy. He will be happy with you in happiness. He will be glad with you in gladness. Synonyms. He will quiet you By his love, he will exalt over you with loud singing. See that word exalt, E X U L T? Different from exalt, E X A L T. Exalt is we we put God on high, we exalt him, we we honor him, he is esteemed, he's higher than we are. But exalt means that we take pleasure in him. But here's God saying this. He will take pleasure over you with loud singing. He looks upon our lives, church. He looks upon our lives and a song comes to him and he belts that song out and it's not in an off key. It's not, it doesn't make us cringe like a parent, like, oh no, my parents are embarrassing me. No, this is a, a beautiful tune that catches the ear of everybody around And he's singing over every one of us, particularly and uniquely because he loves us. He has joy in us, pleasure in his people. God also delights in salvation. He is happy and joyful in salvation. In Luke chapter 15, verse 7, in the first, uh, the whole chapter is really cool, it's The whole chapter, I think, is about celebration, not about lostness, but about the celebration that comes after the lostness. Here, just so I tell you, because this is about the lost sheep, the the lost sheep that is found. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think they don't need to repent of anything. See, in Luke 15, what do you have? The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The prodigal son. Remember the father's demonstration when he gets that son back? He throws a party. He is celebrating this lost one coming back. And Jesus is giving that parable as an indication. This is a glimpse into the joy of God over the salvation of sinners. And that's us. when we repent of our sins. Parties happen in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Remember that moment. Just think back to that moment where you prayed to receive Christ. you, You repented of your sins and committed your life to Christ. And you asked God to save you from your own penalty, and the penalty that stood against your sins. Remember that moment now. Whether you were a child or a teenager or an adult, remember that moment. See, right? I think back to that moment, and I was back at children's church. I was 11 years old. I just put my head down. I prayed a little prayer and looked up. Nothing changed around me. Something changed inside of me, and I felt that. But what I had to come to realize is in that moment in heaven, it didn't resemble just a bunch of kids sitting around like, when's the snack coming? Are we done yet? Can we play? Heaven didn't resemble that. Hemble, hemble, hmm, heaven was partying. God delights in salvation, and God has also stored up for us everlasting joy. Remember in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents they go and, and, and uh, as a damage, a parable about how, we, how what we do with the Christian life and here. Uh, Jesus says, The Master said to the one it was, it was two out of the three who had who had lived, for, in essence, lived for the master and said, I'm going to replicate the life, the talent you should give me, which is the life, represents, I think, the life of Christ. We, we sow that into those that are around us, and we watch God do amazing things as it multiplies. He says, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Everlasting joy is before us. God shares the, the joy that he exists in. Now, the second thing I think we, we recognize in Scripture is that delight is actually our duty as believers. I was highly influenced uh, by this concept back in my early 20s, reading John Piper's little small book called The Dangerous Duty of Delight. It's a condensed version of his longer work called Desiring God. But this, this book revolutionized how I saw the scriptures and how I understood the joy of God, the happiness of God. It transformed how I see the Psalms, particularly. I began to see the words joy, gladness, happiness, exalt, pleasure. I began to see that all over the place, particularly in the Psalms, but then in the rest of scripture. And it changed how I saw Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I had always read that as an invitation. Come, delight yourself in me. It's an invitation. Come, delight yourself in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. That's not what it is. It's a command. It's an imperative. Delight yourself in the Lord. How do we do that? Is that not is it selfish? No, it's not selfish. God says, delight yourself in me. So we we figure out and get on to the work of what does it mean for us to delight ourselves in the Lord? And that's what it means when we experience. But also uh, spurred on by, by Piper's interaction with Christian historical heroes, I began to see, I began read by, reading biography, and began to see men and women of God from generations past who made a point of finding joy and happiness in God alone. I remember reading of George Mueller who had an orphanage in Bristol, England in the 1800s. And he said this, he made it his aim every single morning to find his happiness, to make his happiness God. Every morning. And this man prayed huge prayers and God answered all of them. All of them. Delight yourself in the Lord. Get to it. Do it. And he will show up in the desires of your heart. What's it mean to experience joy? Because this is really where... Uh, The rubber meets the road kind of stuff. And again, we're not talking about putting on fake smiles or mustering up perseverance to get to joy. We're talking about real-time experiences of joy that are grounded in the rock of God, not the shifting sands of temporary pleasures. If you've ever been to Disney World, you have seen parents scolding their kids to make sure you are going to have a good time. Right, <laughs> kids are crying. <laughs> oftentimes, we feel like that's what joy needs. To, like we're, we're scolded into it by God. You just God has done so much for you. You need to be grateful and put on a happy face. So we live, but that's not what we're supposed to do. I think, but that oftentimes that's our experience of joy when it shouldn't be. Psalm 4, verse 7, King David says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Here's what he's... He's making a distinction there. One, there's more joy from God than what when their grain and their wine abound. That means when harvest comes and they've harvested the wheat and they've harvested the grapes to make the wine and there's a great harvest and, oh, everybody's... Everybody's prosperous uh, this year because we had such a great harvest. That's a circumstance. This year, it's been good. And so now, okay, uh, the, w- the distinction is the hope is in the results of what we see in a harvest rather than who God is. And King David said, it doesn't matter what the harvest brings. My hope, my joy is in God himself. See, we we oftentimes can spend a lot of time looking for joy to come from outside of us, from our situations, in order to change, like, how I feel about it. God, if you can change this situation, if you can change this person, then my life would be better. So we're looking for some type of circumstance outside of us to bring joy on the inside. But that's not how God describes it. He says the joy comes on the inside, and then what does it do? It translates out of us to how we look upon a situation so that person that we're interacting with that has been such a difficulty for us, we're not waiting around for the other person to change to make us joyful. Our joy changes that situation. Now, that person may not respond to the joy very well. We're not talking about a fake smile. We're talking about, I have found my joy in God. God has put more joy in my heart and the situation in front of me could ever give. So when we look at Jesus, when we look at his life, when we look at his death, when we look at his resurrection, when we look now at his enthronement, that he sits enthroned over everything, we will grow in our joy and our happiness. When we remember our salvation, when we remember the forgiveness of our sins, we will grow in joy. See, it the joy comes because they're thankful and more thankful. My God, you have been so generous. Now I feel inside of me those rivers of living water welling up to eternal life. That's God's joy. When we can uh, recall God's control over all things, we find ourselves joyful in situations where others were th- will think we're being fake or think we're being delusional, but we can really say, no, I really do have joy in this moment. And those moments come through paths and and across a terrain that we don't like. See, joy's path often journeys over the peculiar terrain of suffering and affliction. We would never write affliction into our salvation story. It's part of the reason that we know God really is there. Because if man came up with this salvation thing, we would escape all the pain, not use the pain and and have God's presence with us through the pain in order to experience God. We wouldn't write that as humans because we would like to escape all pain. But God writes a different story. He says, I'm I'm going to lead you through valleys, deep valleys so you can feel my presence in order to experience my joy in completeness that we might be full of his joy first peter helps us remember jesus did it for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross that's a puzzling scripture does that mean jesus has a fake smile across his face this is going to be so great Oh, I'm just gonna, it's like he's mustering up strength. Oh, the cross. Oh, the nails. That crown of thorns. That's odd, right? Should be odd. What was he looking for? There was something deeper. There was something he was looking for in the Father. I think he was looking for the reward. I think the joy that he had was the reward of sharing his joy with us. But 1 Peter 1 Apostle Peter says this Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, for he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Great stuff, right? That's some stuff we can rejoice in. There's foundations of joy there kept in heaven for you. This is where we're going. The apostle says this, In this you rejoice, as you should, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious to God than gold, That perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So see the path that he's describing? We have this great joyful reward, but it passes through a fire to be refined. What's being refined? us in a way yes that's secondary though what's being refined our understanding of god is being refined our experience of jesus being with us in that fire is being is the is the, the effect that it has on us is the refining our faith is being refined because we trust god more and more and more and more the apostle finishes as though you may not have seen him The Apostle Peter gets to say, I saw him. I saw him before he died. I saw him after he was, uh, when he was resurrected. I saw him ascend. So Peter gets to say, yeah, guys, I saw this. And it was great. But look at the promise that he's giving those. Though you have not seen him, you still love him. Though you do not see him, do you not now see him? You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. A joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory when you're in a fire of affliction and tragedy and suffering. See, these are the moments, we all know, where we want to quit. But God, remember, He always gives us power to do what He commands. He commands us to delight in Him. He gives us the Spirit's power to accomplish that. We're not to go off and try to figure out how to be happy and joyful in God. He gives us the Spirit to accomplish His command. He gives us the power of the Spirit to treat our trials as joyous experiences. And this is quizzical. James 1, count it all joy. Brothers, when you... Uh, come across trials of various kinds. It's hard to count our trials as joy. It's hard. It's not easy. But we have a God that stays with us and comforts us. As I... uh, God's humor in my own life is that I always have uh, ample opportunity to to apply the sermons that I preach the week before I deliver them. And this week, uh, today is the year anniversary of my father's death. I'm preaching on joy. God, God, you're smirking. I know you're smirking. But I also feel God's pleasure in having me press into him again and again, even though there's grief that's heavy and it's thick in my heart and my mind. I have a joy in God. And I can laugh. Things aren't destroyed. And things aren't catastrophe. It shows up, the joy and the happiness shows up. Not not a fake smile. Today's hard. It's hard. But I know, I know God's pleasure and my own salvation, and I'm thankful for that. And I know the joy that He wants me to walk in, to trust Him. I know that's His plan. He's working that. And as I yield to Him, what do I feel? I feel His smile, I feel His joy even though it's, it's hard. Trials are hard. And I, I long for heaven so they're done. I long for heaven so we don't have to have these tests of faith anymore. My God, have I not? I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm not just in remedial classes. God, I am, in, I am failing in some areas. And God says, I love you. I want you to have my complete joy keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Because when, when we see, when we walk through these experiences, I think the joy that we experience is on the tail end because we see God's power in a unique way. We experience his love in a unique way. We see him as greater and more powerful maybe than we ever saw him before. And we see the depths and the heights and we feel the expanse of Jesus' love. Over us. And so while we can understand God uses trials in order to get us to to understand His love, sometimes it's hard. But we have to remember the truth of who He is. And, final point, we, we have to fight sometimes for joy. We have to wrestle with ourselves, wrestle maybe through our circumstances in order to see Jesus clearly so we experience His joy. There are times when we don't have joy in God and we wonder where he is. But we need to remember there are truths that sustain us amid affliction. First thing is this. God never loses his grip on us. No matter how loose we feel, no matter how much we're like retracting, God's still holding our wrists. We're like, I just don't want anything of you. It's like, no, I got you. You're not going anywhere. And he's patient with us. But he never ever loses his grip on us. When when the world feels like it's caving in or washing away or or calamity is all around, God never adjusts his grip on us. God never wanes in his joy over us. It's always strong. And I think it grows. And when you have the blessing of understanding how that happens in a a, a parent-child relationship, there's a love that just continues to grow and continues to strengthen and intensify. God gives us that experience on this earth so we understand our, his experience over us. That his love for us is not waning, it's intensifying. He wants us to understand and know his joy, his love. He's smiling over us. And God never leaves us in the fire. He is with us in the fire. And a very helpful illustration I've said many times, Amy Carmichael, missionary to India. Uh, the, the reason we have Colossians 1.18 as our vision verse, that in all things he might be preeminent, preeminent, is because Amy Carmichael put that over her orphanage for girls in India. And she put it in uh, Sanskrit, that in all things he might be preeminent. And I remember reading her biography, 20 years ago, and I'm like, you know what? If the Lord ever blesses me to plant a church, that's going to be our verse. That's why it is. Amy Car- it's still there today. is the orphanage is still there. There is still a lady there uh, who is care- a caregiver for the young girls that they take in who was named. She came in as a baby. She was named by Amy. That's pretty cool. She's old. He, she said this. I was like, why did I bring Amy up? I have a long list of people I'm going to thank in heaven. She said, uh, as a silversmith holds um, a silver in the fire, the, the silversmith wants to see his reflection in the metal. And so even though, and he doesn't hold it longer than it needs to be, he holds it until he sees his reflection. And she made the correlation that, God, there, there's fire and affliction that we feel But what's God looking for? He's looking for his reflection. That's not selfish of him. Because when he sees his reflection, what's happening? He's completing his joy. And he's completing that joy with us. So God never loses his grip, he never wanes in his joy, he never leaves us in the fire, he's with us. And our standing in Christ never changes, no matter what the intensity of our trial. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, will try to convince us that God hates us, this is, he's left us, there's no room left in heaven for us, but it's wrong. Our standing never changes. Our identity in Christ never wavers. It never changes no matter the intensity of how, how how we feel God may have forgotten us or he's against us. Nope. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So the fight comes when we want to, we got to see this with the eyes of our heart. We have to hear it in the 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 ears of our hearts, so to speak, too, but we have to see through the fog of the pain and we'll find that we can, we can still laugh even though the pangs of sin and death find their way into our souls. That's why I'm, I, I just, I've just been enjoying my family. just paying more attention to my family rather than caving in, just paying more attention. My, my kids make me laugh all the time. My grandchildren make me laugh all the time. We had Yesterday, Molly tried to get me to laugh at particular things, and bathroom words usually make me laugh, and she knows that, but I was actually keeping a straight face. Well, Will comes in, and Molly says, Will, try to make pops laugh. Bathroom word, I laughed, totally laughed, caved in. But I've just, I've enjoyed being able to laugh, even with my soul feeling heavy. Now we have seasons of joy that we walk through. There are seasons where we we just are, everything's giddy almost, and it's cheerful. Everything's going well around us. And there are other seasons when joy seems to be snuffed out and, and running in through the desert and when things aren't going well around us. But may we learn to have an underground tap into the joy of God so the flow of his love and his grace is constantly accessible no matter what's happening around us. Because we'll find ourselves happy. We'll find ourselves glad. We'll find ourselves joyful in the situations that will boggle unbelievers' minds. And we want to have those situations. Like, wait, 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 why, why are you so different? We've got to find our joy in God alone. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would please make us a joyful people. Make us a happy people, a glad, cheerful, exuberant, celebratory, merry exalting people, may we be so filled with who you are that it provides for us a a real-time experience, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of torment and affliction. God, we pray that you would complete your joy by having it in us, that our joy may be complete as well. And Lord, bless our time now as we uh, just spend time visiting as a church family and over a meal. Uh, Father, I pray for laughter. I pray for stories that that, uh, remind us of your greatness and your glory. And God, may we testify to that. And may we have joy in the experience of being with one another. Uh, Because we know that brings a smile to you and, and joy to your heart. And we want we want to bless you with that as well. Thank you for sharing your joy. God, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, here is the uh, our response to what we've heard. The go, therefore, all right. This is in making disciples. Here's what we're doing. We're going joyfully, and we're going to make joyful disciples through our laughter, through our fun. Let's remind ourselves. Go, therefore